Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development program that changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. All right, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to message number four in this series on righteousness, the ultimate revelation of God. Actually, it's faith righteousness, the ultimate revelation of God. And I am telling you, if you will hang in here with me through this series, uh, understanding God and understanding and knowing what God is going to do, being able to trust God is going to come so easy to you. Righteousness is not something that makes God more difficult. Righteousness is the very thing that when you understand from a biblical perspective what it really is, you're going to be able to understand God. You're going to be able to understand and know what you can expect from God and never be taken by surprise and never be seduced into this world, this religious world that wants to blame God for things that he has nothing to do with. Now, our society, as you know, is convinced that anything that makes them responsible is obviously unfair. Man, that is the cry of this generation. Almost anybody under 40 years old, anytime they are faced with having to face the consequences of their behavior, they always scream that it's unfair, and they always scream that they're being judged. You know, I see this on Facebook a lot. You know, as a pastor and somebody who has counsel with people all over America and leaders all over America, as well as uh, uh, just your average believers, it always amazes me. I, I will see somebody on Facebook that that I know has been dishonest. You know, most of their maybe most of their adult life. I know that they have been immoral. I know that they've done things that are ungodly. And so when they get caught, it's really, really interesting. A couple of things that they'll say is, is man, people are, people are gossiping about me behind my back. Or they will say, uh, everybody's judging me. Well, you know, if you, on a very regular basis, don't tell the truth and somebody calls you a liar, they're really just, they're not judging you. They are just uh, acknowledging the fruit of your life. But it's amazing that we think that that we should be able to do wrong things. We should be able to slander people. We should be able to gossip. We should be able to lie. We should be able to cheat. And that if anybody ever calls us out on it, instead of being open and instead of being teachable, instead of being someone who turns our heart to God and says, God, I've got a problem. Could you help me? Then the first thing is, no, you're judging me. That is the earmark, not, not only of a codependent generation, but this is also the earmark of, of people who have been steeped really in socialism all of their formative life. Now, these social norms, by the way, and, and, and it, it's really, it, it really is a deliberate effort to create new social norms we really, they, they determine the way we see everything. They determine the way we see marriage. They determine the way we see friendships. So we, they determine the way we relate 
to our employers, our employees, to our churches, to our pastors, to our friends, uh, very, very specifically relate to uh, how we relate to God, if you really, if you really want to know the truth. It was really interesting, for those of you who know anything about the Holocaust, you've heard of Auschwitz, which is one of the, was one of the worst concentration camps of Nazi Germany. And uh, so in, in Auschwitz, we, we have the historical account of a group of Jews who came together and put God on trial, and, and they found him guilty of, uh, of, of being unkind, of being unfair, of really abandoning his people and being indifferent to the sufferings of his people. And so they they found him guilty. What what's really interesting about that is the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt and they were on their way to the promised land, and they ultimately ended up uh, having to wander in the desert for forty years. They too put God on trial. Now uh, uh, usually it will be the word uh, like in Psalm seventy eight. Psalm seventy eight is a very revealing psalm. In Psalm seventy eight tells us that they, in fact, actually limited God. Now, they limited God because they, they tested or tempted God. And, and a, a test is, is when you put somebody to the trials, when you, uh, when, when you put them on trial. So the children of Israel repeatedly got together and put God on trial uh, uh, and found him guilty of not being able to keep his word. And so uh, the end result was that uh, since they considered God a liar, and since they found God guilty in their, in their estimation of being unfaithful, then God had no choice but to give them over to their own reprobate mind. You know, it's kind of interesting and I can remember as a new believer reading in the book of Romans about God giving people over. And, you know, when you read that, you, you kind of think, oh, so God's going to make them go over to, to some kind of wicked belief, to some type of perversion? No, that's not, that's not what it says, and that's not what it means. Here's what it means. It means when we insist on seeing something a certain way, when we insist on on embracing a certain point of view. Remember, God cannot violate our will. Now, I know that flies in the face of religion. Almost all religious people will insist that that is absolutely not true. But uh, when God created man in his own likeness, and his own image, uh, no one can force God to do anything. No one can force God to, to, uh, uh, to violate his will. Well, we were created like the image of God. God will not and cannot violate our will. And so uh, and so this means that when we get into a destructive situation, you know, God will draw us, God will woo us, God will send people to minister to us. God will will do all kinds of things to keep us from heading down the path of destruction. Now, usually, when those warning signs come to us, when those, you know, I've had friends come to me before and say, Jim, you know, we just need to talk. And I'm telling you, I've heard some things about me that I did not want to hear. I've had to face some things that I did not want to face. 
and, uh, and, and it saved my life. It saved my future. It saved my destiny. It saved my calling, even though it was miserably uncomfortable for me. Remember the very first step to being able to move into the kingdom realm and enjoy heaven on earth is having a repentant, teachable attitude. That's the very first indicator that you are even ready to enter into the quality of life that God has for you. But you see, when we consider uh, uh, a persecution or when we consider it to be judgment or whenever we consider it to be unfair treatment, when we are put in a position to have to face uh, our, our behavior or have to face a situation, then the real truth is uh, we leave God no choice because after he sends people to us, after he tries to speak to us by the Holy Spirit, after he does all the things that he can do, at the end of the day, if we persist in a particular thought, in a particular mentality, in a particular state of mind, then the real truth is he has no choice but to eventually let us have that whatever it is that we're pursuing. But remember, in letting us have it, we also get the consequences. You know, the curse, and people talk about the curse. You know, I have a, I have a great book that, that uh, uh, Kayam Mentor, my Hebrew teacher and myself that we wrote called 10 Words that Change Everything That You Believe About God. And, uh, and you know, we talk about the curse in there. You know, the people think that the curse is the consequences that God sends you uh, because you won't cooperate with him. No, the curse is what we choose when we choose certain behavior, when we choose ungodly behavior, when we choose to be dishonest, when we choose to be immoral, when we choose to lie, when we choose to violate God's wisdom, when we choose to be uh, uh, an unfaithful friend. We know we're making that choice, and we have an excuse for making that choice. We, you know, we're, we're, we always have an excuse. Everybody has an excuse. Everybody has a reason to believe that the, the dysfunctional way that we handle things is justifiable. Well, you may have an excuse, but the problem is, when you choose any type of unrighteous behavior, you choose the consequences that come with that behavior. Now, unfortunately, if we're unteachable, if we don't have a repentant, teachable attitude, then when those consequences come, we blame God, we blame people, uh, we, we blame everybody. But ultimately, if we're not careful, we will get in this mentality where we feel like God is being unfair to us when he lets us get what we want. Well, but I didn't want the curse. No, but you wanted this behavior because this behavior met a need in your life. This behavior uh, gave you control of the situation. This behavior got people to like you. This behavior kept you from looking bad. Well, that's true, but that behavior also brings its own consequences. Most people believe that uh, that their consequences uh, for the choice for their choices are actually God being unfair uh, in their life. Now the Jews did this over and over and over. You know, Proverbs nineteen three says. 
and I'm reading this from the New uh, Living Translation. Um, uh, this is pretty much what it says in the Hebrew, but I just like the way it reads. And this is this is faithful to the Hebrew. It says, "People ruin their lives by their own foolishness, and then they are angry at the Lord." And so this is what the children of Israel did over and over again. It's, it's amazing how God was good to them for 40 years. And, and, and he was, and they were rebellious for 40 years. I mean, God will be good to you. God will try to draw you. God will try to bring you out of your self-deception and out of your victim's mentality and try to bring you to a place to rejoice in the fact that, you know what? I might not like the way it feels when I have to face something about my life. I might not like the way it feels when I am when somebody challenges me or whenever I, I have to face consequences. But I like the fact that when I see it, I get to step into a whole new quality of my life. I get to step into something that's wonderful. You know, in Psalm 7 days, it's kind of interesting. I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing. I know I'm running this. By the way, you know, I go into incredible detail into this thing about understanding consequences and understanding the whole, really, the biblical concept of our psychology whenever we are, whenever we're making these bad choices and how, you know, how convoluted our thinking comes. So, you know, if you really want to take the deep dive in this, if you're a person who you're committed to being a disciple, you're committed to managing your life in a way that's uh, way more biblical and godly and righteous, then, man, I'm going to give you some tools. I'm going to give you some resources for that. But it's really interesting when you when you kind of go through Psalm 78, here, here's what you see. You see the children of Israel, and, and so they're whining and they're complaining about God that he's brought them out of Egypt and he's going to let them starve to death in the wilderness. So what's God do? He gives them manna. Now, manna may not have been everything, and eventually they got sick of the manna. Even though it was free, all they had to do was walk out and pick it up every day. It kept them alive, kept them healthy uh, for, for 40 years. They, they remained healthy. And uh, but So then eventually they, they come to this place where they say, well, yeah, you might have given us manna. You might have given us something to eat, but you can't give us water out here in the wilderness. Well, what happened? Well, this is where Moses... Uh, smote the rock, and millions of gallons of water came gushing out of the rock, which, by the way, archaeologists know exactly where that site is. Don't worry about the people that lie to you in the name of science and say that none of this stuff has ever been proven. Ev almost everything about what happened on the journey with the children of Israel has been scientifically proven, just nobody wants to admit it. But anyhow, so they got millions of gallons of water out of a rock. And so they got, their, they got their thirst satisfied. So then finally it was sort of like, well, okay, you've given us manna and you've given us water, but you know what? You, you can't give us meat. Well, then all of these quail came in, just fell out of the air. So, so at every turn, it was like, we're going to, they didn't make these accusations against him just because of their unbelief. They made these accusations against him because they had put him on trial and found him guilty of not of not being able to provide for him or not being willing to provide for him. Well, so you have to understand something. When you start understanding the righteousness of God, the righteousness of God, and remember righteousness at the most fundamental level, at the most basic core of the word righteous means right. 
And it doesn't just mean right as opposed to being wrong, but it means right in a way that brings you in harmony with the character and the nature of God. So this would mean that you're, you're right. You're going to make the right decisions about your morality. You're going to make right decisions about what is legal. You're going to make right decisions about how you manage your friendships and your relationships. You're going to make the right decisions about justice. You're going to make the right decisions about uh, how you benefit society. Righteousness are these very basic, fundamental character traits that would make us like God. Anybody that tries to make righteousness sound like legalism or tries to make righteousness sound like something difficult, I can tell you this, number one, they don't understand righteousness. Number two, they very possibly may be needing an excuse for not living morally or spiritually or relationally or socially or uh, uh, in, in a way that actually reflects the character and the nature of God. I'll just tell you something very interesting. You know, religion has made righteousness. You know, I was, I was down in, I was down in uh, Puerto Rico uh, doing some meetings one time, and, and the Pentecostal church in Puerto Rico on Sundays, they would have women out in the foyers of the church. And if you came in and the, heel, the heels on your shoes, high heel shoes, if they were too high, uh, in order for you to come into the church, you had to let these women cut these heels off to a, to a, to a, a length that was considered righteous. If your skirt had a split on it, well, you know, Women have to have splits uh, on on their skirts, otherwise they, they can't hardly walk. But if the if the split on your uh, skirt was too high, then the then the women there in the foyer would show up that, and, and and all of that was to make you righteous. That has nothing to do with righteousness. I was reading a a post of it. I'll tell you, I just almost my my head almost blew up a guy who is just convinced that he is the guru of grace and everything in the Bible is about grace. And of course, he's got unscriptural definitions of grace. He's got ungodly definitions of grace. And, uh, and man, he was bashing the Ten Commandments and talking about how the Ten Commandments were, were a ministry of death. And it's like, no, the Bible doesn't say any of the commandments were a ministry of death. It says the old covenant was. And it's like, all of the commandments of God still tell us how to relate to each other in righteousness. Uh, the commandments tell us what love should look like if we put it in practice. It tells us what faithfulness should look like if we put it in practice. It tells us what loyalty will look like if we, if we put it in practice. It tells us what kindness will look like if we put it into practice. And, there, and there's never anything burdensome about it. If you know, the apostle John said, look, if these, if the commandments are burdensome to you, then you haven't overcome the world. You are still, you are still tied up in the world system. You still love the ungodly way that the world does stuff. You're still operating from greed and selfishness and, and all of these kinds of things. So, so God says, you know, I am right. What I say is good. I am right about it. And what I say is evil. Now, keep in mind, God is not telling us what is evil just so uh, he can 
say who's right and wrong. That's not the point. Evil, every pain that anybody goes through in their life is a result of evil somewhere in this world. Either the evil in the way we make decisions, either the evil in the way we think and treat people, or the evil in the way people treat us. But there is no pain in the world apart from evil. And so good and evil uh, reveal to us what the righteousness of God looks like. And the whole thing behind the righteousness of God is so that we can understand what is right and what is not. And so, so when God says something is good, it is absolutely good. Just, you know, here, keep in mind, in the book of Genesis, the original temptation as you know, you know, we have the story of Adam and Eve in the garden, and the serpent in Genesis 3 forces comes to the woman and says, you know, you need just you just need to go ahead and partake of this of this fruit of the of the tree of the good and evil. And uh and you know, the woman says, No, 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 if we do, we'll die. And the serpent says, God knows you're not gonna die when you eat of your what's gonna happen is now your eyes are going to be open and you will be like God. Now, so, so what is it that's going to open my eyes, and what is it going to make me be like God? Because now you will know good and evil apart from yourself. You will never, never, never have to look to God to determine good and evil. You'll never, ever have to pray. You'll never have to ask God. You'll never have to check in with God to make sure that you're on the right track. Now, keep in mind, the only reason God would want you to check in, the only reason he'd want you to pray, the only reason he'd want you to read the Bible is so that you could recognize the things that will destroy you and destroy your relationships, destroy your friendships, destroy your marriage, destroy your kids, destroy your job, destroy all of these different aspects of your life. He doesn't want you going through that. And if you don't know his righteousness, if you don't know his definition of good and evil, then I can tell you this, you will make the wrong decisions and you will think, it is a good decision when, in fact, it's an evil decision. Now, keep in mind, evil doesn't mean it's wicked, 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 dirty, nasty, all that kinds of evil just gets into the whole concept that it is that it is out of harmony with God. It is out of harmony with God's creation. It moves you and me as a person. It moves us, our character out of harmony with God. You know, the word good, and, and remember, in the Hebrew language, uh, Every Hebrew word has a root word that usually has three uh, letters in it. And every letter in the Hebrew alphabet has its own definition. So when you're, when you're doing translation work in the, in, in the Hebrew language, you have, uh, you have the word and what that word means, but you also have every letter, specifically every letter in the root word that has its own definition that expands the understanding of, of that word. So the word good, and by the way, let me say this, every letter and every word in the Hebrew language has a light side and a dark side. In other words, there is light and there's darkness in every definition. And the uh, the light, you know, the, the Adam and Eve, very probably when they wanted to make a decision they could meet with God at the tree of life. Many ancient Jewish theologians believe they met with God at the at the tree of life. And 
and they were able to get God's insight into what would bring life into a situation. Now, see, if they went to the knowledge of tree of the knowledge of good and evil, then they were saying, we are not going to go check in with God. We're not going to discover what God says is good and evil. We're going to go over here and we're going to do this ourselves. Well, I got news for you. The world is in the condition it is. There's disease, there's sickness, there's poverty, there's crime, there's war, there's murder, there's rape, there's child pornography, uh, you know, there's pedophilia, there's all of these things because apart from God, man is determining good and evil for himself. But when you when you get when you look at these Hebrew words or Hebrew letters, like I say, there's a there's a light side and a dark side. And so and so the dark side, whether you go to the light side of what something means or the dark side, it's all based on what's in your heart. Well, what's interesting is the Hebrew word for good, the root word is tet vav bet. Now, the Hebrew letter tet, when you go at it from the dark side, it's easy answers. It's, it's, uh, it's positive thinking, you know, just a uh, very typical type of thing that we're, that we're being sold the false bill of goods on today. It, your dark, your understanding is dark and it affects your ability uh, to choose and distinguish good from evil. And that is one of the, that's one of the classic examples of darkness. And then you have the letter Vav. Now the letter Vav, if you, if your heart is in darkness, then you have a dependence on something or someone other than God. So you're no longer looking to God. And then the bet is your heart. It, it gets into the condition of your heart where because you have your own insight, you have your own understanding. And this is this is the thing that I see with these people that have these goofy teachings about grace. And uh, and man, you know, they're promoting sin, they're promoting uh, lawlessness, they're promoting rebellion, and and they claim superior insight as as their ability to see and understand this, and other moral, godly people just don't have that spiritual understanding or insight. Well, that the dark side of the letter bet has to do with arrogance and feeling superior to others. And so what is happening is, is people are claiming things to be good when, in fact, they are destructive. Yes, yes, you can create all kinds of positive thinking out of it, but, you have, but you're having trouble distinguishing good and evil. And so we, we are making these decisions. And then when we face the consequences, if, you, if we have a repentant, one of the ways you can know that you have an unrepentant attitude is when you claim victimhood, when you want to blame somebody else for the consequences of your own of your own behavior. I've done it myself. We have all done it. And so the moment we realize, wait a minute, I am blaming other people. I'm I am I am not accepting responsibility. That's when we turn to God. That's when we repent. We turn to God like God, I got to open my heart up. I want you to teach me. I want you to lead me in, into the light. I want to get out of this darkness. I do not want to, to uh, be deceived in this. Now, listen, man, I got great things I'll be sharing with you. Don't forget, check out the audio version on this and be sure to go to my website. I got thousands of free videos on there that will help you with every single aspect of life. And if you're interested in reaching the whole world, changing the way the world sees God, 
be sure and check into our World uh, Changer program because, man, I'm telling you what, we are raising up disciples all over the world, starting Bible schools all over the world, and you can be a part of it. All right, share this with your friends. Be sure and like it on on uh, uh, Google, Facebook, all the social media places. I will talk to you with some more great news next week. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website from previous broadcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.